Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 is for the whoever's. Wherever you came from, whatever you've done, and whoever you are, I want you to know that according to John 3.16, right now you have an arms wide open welcome from God. Anybody, everybody, anywhere, whoever. John 3.16 isn't just for kids. It's for hurting mothers, broken fathers, and all of us. It isn't just for t-shirts and tattoos and bumper stickers and bookmarks, because John 3.16 is not a decoration. It's a declaration. John 3.16 is an invitation to redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness, and eternal life. John 3.16 reminds us that the story of God isn't about a few special people making it up to God, but God making his way down to the rest of us, to the whoever's. John 3.16 is what God thinks about you. You are loved, welcomed, valued, seen, and you are invited. You are not half-loved, you are not unseen, and you are not forgotten. John 3.16 is for the whoever's. John 3.16 is for you. John 3.16 is for me. Hey, good morning, church. I really like that video from the first time I saw it. There's one line that stood out to me among all the rest. It said, John 3.16 is not a decoration, it is a declaration. And that's a powerful truth. You see, what John 3.16 proclaims is that we are loved, we are welcomed, we are valued, we are seen, and we are invited. It's no wonder this is the most memorized verse in the entire Bible. I'm gonna throw part of it up here. I want you to read just the highlighted words with me. For God so loved the world. Okay, like four of you understood the instruction and we are just now getting started. Okay, we're gonna try that again. And and you guys, the ones in the seat, the people in front of me are gonna read the yellow part right here. You got it? All right, let's do this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You guys did much better there. You see, most people don't struggle with this concept. We understand that God loves the world. We believe that he loves everybody. You see, even people that that don't have a relationship with God, they know this about God because Tim Tebow told them about it in the early 2000s. But let me tell you something, there is part of this that we struggle with. I'm gonna change this word and we're gonna read it together again. For God so loved me that he gave his one and only son. You see, we believe that he loves everybody else, but when it comes to whether or not he loves me, that's where a lot of us begin to struggle. We just can't comprehend how or why he would choose to love us. This series that we're in right now, it's called Finding Your Way Back to God. And for a lot of you, this may be the very piece that you struggle with most. Like this part, accepting God's love, understanding that even you are loved by God, that may be the hardest part of finding your way back to God. 
Let's back up and let's inch our way back into this. I want to share with you a few things in life that I find incredibly hard to believe. This was a fun part of preparing for the sermon. Did you know that the Supreme Court has its own private basketball court on the top floor of their building? And it is referred to as the highest court in the land. That's unbelievable, but it's absolutely true. Let's show you another one. Did you know that Walmart has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard? Okay. Harvard has a 4.5% acceptance rate, but Walmart only hires 2.6% of its applicants. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Okay, it's hard to believe, unbelievable. There's a technical name for the fear of long words. We're gonna show it to you right here. I'm gonna let you read it on your own, okay? Um, not because I can't do it, but because I have a lot of faith in you. Uh, but this is, this is the word that means the fear of long words. Somebody actually came up with this. That's unbelievable, right? It's hard to believe. I can't wrap my head around why somebody thought that was a good idea. Let's do another one. Did you know that cows moo with a regional accent? Okay? You can Google it. Okay? It was a UK professor that found that from one herd to the next, you can actually hear a distinct difference between the moos of individual cows. I told my daughter this. She loves trivia, okay? And I, I told her this, and, and she, her eyes lit up, and she started to laugh hysterically. And I said, what's so funny? She said, can you imagine a cow mooing in country? Uh, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> but listen, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Let's do one more. Okay, this one was the hardest for me to believe. Did you know that Cookie Monster has a real first name? Does anybody know what his first name is? It's Sid. Believe it or not, it's Sid. You can Google it, not right now because you're listening to a sermon, but as soon as this is done, his name is actually Sid, and that just blows my mind. It's unbelievable. Let me tell you something. I could go down this rabbit trail for a really, really long time. There's a lot of things in this world that keep surprising me, but the one thing that I just can't wrap my head around is, is God's love for me. And let me tell you why that is. That is because I know me. I know my heart. I know my intentions and I know my past. I know the things about me that you never will. And if God sees all of that, if he knows all of that, I just can't comprehend how or why he would choose to love me in the way that John 3.16 says that he does. Listen, I'm not alone in feeling this way. I want you to look at what it says in Job 42, five through six. This is what Job says. My ears had heard of you talking about God, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, he basically says this. He says that the closer I get to God, the more unworthy I feel. He says, as I look at God's goodness, I can't help but notice my own depravity. He says, I know me and I should be disqualified from God's love. The apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, he echoes this in 1 Corinthians 15, nine. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. He says, listen, I, I am unworthy of being used by God. His love applies to everyone else, but it should not apply to me. Because of my past, because of, because of what I've done, because of who I was, because of who I still am, I am unworthy of what John 3.16 promises to me. Listen, maybe deep down you feel the same way. 
Maybe deep down you, you look inside of yourself and you can't help but find and focus on all the reasons that you don't deserve God's love. You're disqualified from God's love. And maybe, just maybe, you can't find your way back to God because you can't accept that he would love somebody that's as jacked up as you are. Listen, this is the truth that we're gonna look at today. We're gonna unpack it. We're gonna come to realize it is true together. God knows me completely and still loves me completely. God knows me completely and he still loves me completely. You see, there's nobody in this world that knows you better than God does. But there's still nobody in this world that loves you more than God does. And when those two truths come together, man, they pave the road from wherever you are today to where God is and where he wants you to be. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you got them, to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. As Colby already said, we're going to revisit this story another time right now where, where the, the prodigal son comes back home. But, but today we're going to uncover some truths that help us to see and experience God's unconditional love for each and every one of us. Let's do a quick recap for those of you that are just jumping in. There's a man and he has two sons. And one of these sons goes to his father and he, he disrespectfully asks for his inheritance early. He basically says, Father, I don't wanna work with you and I don't wanna care for you. I just want what's coming to me and I want it now. The father gives in and he sets out. Time passes, poor decisions were made, the money runs out and the son finds himself in a really bad place. So he decides to return home, but before he returns home, he begins to practice this speech in his head that he's, he's gonna deliver to his father when he gets there. This is what that speech says in Luke 15, 18 through 19. He says, I'll set out, I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Have you ever done this before where you've got a difficult conversation to have so you just practice it in your head over and over and over so that you can get it right? That's what the son is doing. He started before he even left for this journey back home. And, and I begin to wonder how many times must he have repeated this on his way home? He probably repeated it a thousand times. I am no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy. You see, he's drowning in this pool of shame. He's, he's becoming buried under the crippling weight of it. I think there's probably many of you that are feeling that same way right now. You see, there's a lot of people that, that are ashamed of their poor financial condition. They're plagued with guilt about their irresponsible spending and debt, and they just don't really want to be found out. Some people are ashamed of some kind of sexual sin from their past. They carry an extreme guilt inside of them and it, it follows them from one relationship to the next. Countless people are crippled by the shame of secret addictions. And some people even live with false guilt or shame after suffering as victims of abuse. Let me tell you, the thing about shame is this, the more time we spend with it, the less it becomes about what we have done or what's been done to us and the more it becomes about what we believe about ourselves and who we think we are. You see, it's no longer that I failed, it's that I must be a failure. It's no longer that I made a bad decision, I must be bad. 
It's not that somebody hurt me. I must be broken and I must be unlovable. Listen, if I'm striking a nerve with anybody in the room today, I want you to realize that Jesus tells this story for you. If you can identify with any of this, Jesus wants you to identify with the son's feelings so that you can experience the father's love. Let's pay attention to what happens next in verse 20. It says, but while he was still a long way off, he's probably still repeating that line to himself over and over and over again. I am no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy. While he's still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. See, his father runs to him, he embraces him, he welcomes him with open arms. He demonstrates love and affection. Through his actions, he says, listen, son, I don't care about your past mistakes. I care about this present reality. My son was lost, but now he is found. See, even when the son begins to to practice that speech that he's been preparing all this time, even when he tells his father, he says, father, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your affection. Even when his opinion of himself could not catch up with the reality of his father's reaction, the father shakes it off. And he says, I don't want to hear any of that stuff anymore. You're my son and I love you. Your past is past. The present reality is that you're here, you're found, and you are mine. Listen, if you're not going to embrace anything else throughout this entire series as we're talking about this pathway to finding your way back to God, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Don't let shame keep you from coming home. Don't let shame keep you from coming home. Whoever you are, wherever you are, God wants you to come back. Listen, shame will whisper in your ear. It'll say things like this. You don't really matter. You are not loved. You are out of chances. Shame brings about self-condemnation. It makes us reject God's grace because we feel so incredibly unworthy of it. But let me tell you something. We are not what we've done. We are not what we haven't done. We are not what has been done to us. We are who God says we are. We are his children. This is what it says in 1 John 3, 1. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The past has passed, but God's love remains. This past week, my son was wearing a tie to school because he's just fancy like that. Uh, actually, it was 2-22-22, and somehow you go from um, girls should wear tutus to guys wear ties, and I don't really know how they made the connection, but I put them in a tie either way. And so my, my little five-year-old boy, Dirt is his middle name, okay? He gets dirty in places. I don't even understand how or why it happened. He has stains on every shirt he owns. Um, he rejects the theory of baths altogether. Like, it's just not a clean kid, So I put this tie on him and it was a Georgia tie. He got really excited about it. And I didn't think much of it until he starts to get in the car. And when he gets in the car, I notice that he's holding on to it like this. And he's trying to be very careful so that tie doesn't touch the outside of the car and get dirty. And then he goes to put his seatbelt on and he pulls it up and he doesn't want to wrinkle it. So he's really careful to make sure he puts that seatbelt on just right. You see, in that moment, I realized something was about to happen. (laughs) My dirty kid was about to feel shame all day long. 
because he was gonna get something on that tie. I get something on a tie when I, that's one of the many reasons I don't ever wear them. And so I looked at him in the back seat and I said, hey, Brantley, I wanna let you know something. I said, even if you get a stain on that tie, it's okay, I love you anyway. I said, even if you get a stain on that tie, it's, it's not really that big of a deal and we'll be okay when you get home. He looked up and he smiled because all of a sudden the weight was off his shoulders and he realized that my love wasn't conditional and his behavior wasn't gonna impact it one way or the other. I will tell you that to say this, I, I believe that's God's attitude towards each and every one of us. So he looks at us every single morning when we get out of bed and he says, listen, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna fall short. You're gonna have a stain by the end of the day. You're going to get this wrong, but that's not the end of the story. My love for you is. See, if you're drowning in shame right now, I want you to understand that God's grace, his acceptance and his forgiveness is available. It may seem too good to be true. It may be hard to accept when your opinion of yourself doesn't match up with the reality of God's love, but that's a problem that we can only address when we're embraced in the arms of our Father. God knows me and he loves me. That's what this story proclaims. Let's keep reading. Luke 15, verse 22. It says, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Each and every one of these gifts is a symbol of something bigger. You see, the robe was a symbol of rest. He says, bring out the best robe and put it on his back. Do you know which robe was the best robe in the house? It was the father's robe. And when he wore it, he realized as he felt it come over his shoulders that, that he could rest. He doesn't have to prove himself. Everything is gonna be okay. He is home. He gave him a ring and that was a symbol of security. See, throughout history, the, if you were in the presence of a king, you would kiss the ring because it was symbolic of power. Presenting a ring to someone was a sign of being placed in an office of authority. Among the rich, it was a sign of dignity and wealth. Kings and pharaohs used the ring to stamp their decrees, and that's what made them official. You see, what the giving of a ring does is it transfers all of the father's authority to the son. It's like giving him an unlimited credit card and saying, you don't have to worry about anything ever again. You'll never go hungry. You'll never have to sleep outside because everything I have is now yours. He gives him sandals and these were a symbol of acceptance because in ancient Jewish homes, the only people who would wear sandals in the house were the homeowners. And he said, listen, you are not one of the servants. You are my son and you have all the benefits of being my son. See, these three gifts are powerful because they demonstrate that the father has restored his son completely. And even if he struggles with it, he's family and he always will be. Listen, the thing is, he's not the only one who struggled. The brother was watching all of this happen and he becomes angry. He becomes jealous because as he's looking out, he says, Father, listen, I've, I never left. I never did any of these bad things that he did. I've stayed by your side. I've worked hard. I've done everything right. He doesn't deserve this, only I do. Listen, the father reassures him of his love for him too, but he, he defends his decision to love his brother unconditionally. Here's an important takeaway from that truth. Being good is different than being loved. Being good is different than being loved. See, God's love is given, not earned. 
God's love is received, not reached. God's love is shared, not scored. So what it says in Psalm 16, verses five through six, says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The boundary lines of your love, Father, they've fallen for me in pleasant places. I was explaining this to my oldest today while we were driving to church, and, and I said, it's kind of like this. I said, yesterday when I was with my parents, we decided to split a pizza. We all wanted the same thing. We got one pizza and decided between the three of us we could share that pizza. You know how much of that pizza I got? Five of the eight slices. <laughs> the boundary lines fell for me in a good place. That's what he's saying right here. He says, listen, I, I didn't earn God's love. There's nothing I could do to be good enough to deserve what God has given me but the boundary lines. Where he chooses to gift me his love, they have fallen in a pleasant place. My good wasn't good enough, but get this, my bad wasn't bad enough either. There's nothing I could do to make God love me more, but there's nothing I could do to make God love me less. Why? Because his love is not based on my success. It's based on who he is. I was at a kid's basketball game the other day and, and I had been at every practice this team had. My son was on the team and there was a kid, I'll call him Max. Max tried his best, but he just could not score a goal. Like he threw it, but it barely went up in the air and every practice his coach was working with him, trying to help him. And, and finally the time came in a game where he was given the ball. And so he was so excited that he, he grabbed that ball and he threw it up in there and he made a shot for the very first time. Problem was he made it in the wrong goal. <laughs> That's why nobody was defending him. And they counted the points for the other team, which is just sinful in a five-year-old game. But you know what? I looked over and I found his parents. And man, his parents were cheering and celebrating his accomplishment. Because you know what? Regardless of the outcome, regardless of the performance, that was their son and they were proud. Even if he missed the mark, he gave it everything he had and they celebrated what he accomplished. Listen, that's how God loves us. We are his children and he is crazy about us. The score, the performance, our accomplishments, they have never been the metrics that determines his love. In his arms and by his instruction, we are restored. And if you ever doubt that, if you ever question that, go to a kid's basketball game and see that the presence of God's love is all over that place. He loves you unconditionally no matter what. We are part of his family and we get to experience all the benefits of that. God knows us completely and he loves us completely. There's one more truth from the story that I wanna wrap up with today. It's what it says in verse 23. It says, bring the fattened calf. It's the father talking. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. You see, after restoring his son, the father starts giving orders to prepare a celebration. He invites friends and family from all over the place to come together and, and party because his son was lost, but now he's found. His son was dead, but now he's alive. His son was gone, but now he is home. Get this, the shame that that son felt that prevented him from wanting to come back home, that shame about what he had done and who he was, all of that is gone because now all of those bad decisions and the fact that he turned back to his father became the reason for the celebration. Listen, I want you to hear this loud and clear. God's celebration is one turn away. 
God's celebration is one turn away. God knows me completely and he loves me completely. My past, all the things that should disqualify me from his love are the reason for the celebration when we turn back to him and say, I'm surrendering myself to you. Listen, Colby told us a couple weeks ago, he said that he, he hit a deer, okay? Um, we're talking to him about it. It's, it's something that we're working through as a staff, but, um, but he hit a deer. But, but here's what stood out to me about the story was that he was coming from Hawaii, right? You drove from Hawaii back home? Okay, um, that was the first mistake. No, he, he went from Hawaii, got on a flight and he came here and he was driving back home and man, he was so close to being home. He was so close to being home. And then something ran out and stopped him from making it the rest of the way. I mean, less than a mile away from his house and something just plowed into him and kept him from getting where he needed to go. Let me tell you something, God's love in this way, what this son experienced may be that one thing that prevents you from coming home. You see, we've been talking throughout this entire series about the fact that God wants you to return home. He wants you to find your way back. But for many of you, the one thing that keeps running out and preventing you from experiencing God's love is that you don't believe that you deserve it. But as we've already looked at, Luke 15 paints a clear picture that God loves you so much, he's searching the wild, dark night to save you. He's moving all of his furniture. He's tearing up the carpet simply to reach you. God is watching every moment of every day, waiting for you to return home. And when you're just a dot on the horizon, he'll sprint towards you, his arms flung open wide. Listen, the party starts the moment you turn back to him. There's a celebration waiting in heaven. The Bible tells us about it. It's just waiting for you to turn back to him and say, I know I'm undeserving. I know this is something that's out of my reach, but the boundary lines have fallen in a wonderful place because God loves me. Here's what I'm gonna challenge you to pray over the next few moments, but really all week long, I want you focused on this simple prayer. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the awareness that I am your unconditionally loved child. Listen, God knows you completely he loves you completely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your love doesn't make sense to us at all. If we were in your shoes, we would have dropped us a long time ago. But God, I'm so grateful that you choose to not just look away from our sin, but to carry the weight of them yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that right now that every person in this room feels that weight coming off of their shoulders that, that tells them they've gotta be perfect, that tells them they have to earn it, that tells them that your love is conditional. And I just pray that right now for a moment they can hear the truth that you love them completely. You know everything about them, but you love them completely. Lord, I pray that that changes their life from this moment forward. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.